The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. We have been looking at our mission and values the last several weeks, and this morning we're looking at the value of Christ-centered lives. Uh, because Jesus reconciles us to himself and to one another through his life, death, and resurrection, we cannot speak of godliness apart from one's relationship to one's neighbor and city. Therefore, we are committed to displaying Christ-like love that will be felt by the poor, weak, and broken. So uh, let's go to the Lord now as we open this passage together. Father, we need you. Uh, we pray for your Holy Spirit presence. For we look to so many things to justify us, to make us feel important, to make us feel significant, to make us feel right and righteous and good. And we need you to loosen our grip on our idols this morning and to put our hope in Jesus. That we might love you and love our neighbor, Father, that this world might know that Jesus is life, that he is health, that he is wealth, (laughs) that just knowing him and being known by him, being loved by him is what we were made for. Oh God, free us from our idols this morning. Come in power and do your work. Oh God, there's not one healthy among us this morning. We are broken and weary. We have chased our idols this week and they have let us down. Oh God, would you captivate us by the beauty of Jesus this morning? Father, we need that. And it's our strongest prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The only way that Christianity works is if Jesus is everything to you and me. That's it. That is it. The only way that Christianity works, the only way that we experience its power and its authenticity The only way that Christianity works is if Jesus is more important than everything to us. That he is not just a love, but he is the love. The only way that we experience freedom, the only way that we can realize our created purpose, namely to love God and to love our neighbor, the only way God gets us over us and about the needs of others around us is if we love Jesus more than anything and everything. And that's what the Bible is about, but it's what Colossians is about. We see it here in verses 3 through 5. We didn't read these verses, but in chapter 1, Paul writes, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, Colossian church, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Faith, hope, and love. Faith in Christ. What does faith in Christ mean? It means to believe in Him as our Savior from our sin. 
It means to be ushered into and under his rule and not the rule of the idols that we chase after to save us. It means to come to Jesus and receive forgiveness. It means to come to Jesus and to love him more than anything else. And when we are believing in Christ, then we're loving each other. We're creating a counterculture, a radical culture of love for one another that stands as, get this, the body of Christ, the tangible witness of Christ to the world. And we live out of the hope that is to come. And it sounds so simple, and yet it is not. That's why Paul, immediately after saying, oh, we just thank God for your faith in Jesus Christ, in a few verses down, verses 9 through 10, he says this, and so, from the day that we heard about how great your faith was, we've not ceased to pray for you. What? I mean, they've arrived. They believe in Jesus. They love Jesus. No, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, we thank God for your faith, but we know it's going to come under attack. We thank God for your love for Jesus, but we know that it's going to be short-lived. We thank God, and yet we push you toward God. As John Calvin said, our hearts are idle factories, and that's the battle that we all have. It's a battle for faith. It's a battle for the gospel. It's a battle for Jesus to be fresh moment by moment because our hearts are like our social media pages that are constantly being updated with one update after another. We can produce a false love in seconds. We can move from one to the other in seconds. And that's why the battle for faith in Jesus, that's why the centrality of Jesus, not just as some doctrinal concept, but as some functional trust, must be the reality, or Christianity doesn't work. And dear friends, can't we all agree that it certainly appears on most days Christianity is not working? Why? Because Jesus is not our first love. It's true individually and it's true corporately. When Jesus is our first love, it all works out. And there's power. And people's lives are changed. Jesus said, I've came that you may have life and have it abundantly. We read in, in, in our, our, our verses this morning, in 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We come under the rule of Christ. We willingly and gladly serve Him as Master and Lord. Why? Because He is our King now. King Jesus has saved us and therefore we worship Him and we love Him. And yet the Colossians are very much like us. We are very much like the Colossians. You see, there are things that are battling for their hearts. Namely creation, created things and their involvement with creation. We can all relate. Communities. False and pseudo-communities over against the church of whom Jesus is king and head. And then thirdly, just salvation. We're all looking to something else constantly, utterly moving here and there, trying to find something that will save us, something that will love us when we were created for one love, and his name is Jesus. And so three things. Look at creation. Jesus as creator must be preeminent, not his creation, for Christianity to work. If we're going to be a Christ-centered church, then we have to be properly positioned toward created things. 
That's what Paul is telling these believers. Did you hear about the entrepreneur in Whitehaven, Barbara Jackson? Uh, she has a pie company, restaurant, I don't know, and uh, it's called Taste and See. Oh, Taste and See. I love it. She said years ago, she said she, she's loved baking ever since her parents gave her uh, one of those easy bake ovens. She said, I wore the little the light bulb out of it, you know. And uh, she grew up just cooking and loving cooking and baking pies. And, and, and so she finally launched her business and she was working through in her mind what her, the name of her business would be. And she said one day in church, her Bible dropped. She leaned over to pick it up. And what did she see? Lo and behold, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And she said, yes, that's the name of my business. She gets it. That is a full orb theology of creation right there. The reason she cooks, the reason she want people, wants people to experience her pies and her quiche. I kind of want to try both. I uh, hadn't been over there yet, but I'm, I'm going. Uh, the reason that she wants people to taste her pies and, and taste her quiche is because she wants people to taste and see that Barbara Jackson is good. No! She wants people to taste and delight and make the connection that the God who made her and made all the ingredients and gave her this ability is good. And that's the purpose of creation. And you know what? She was voted the best pie maker, the best pies in Tennessee this week. Unbelievable. And see, that is how we are to participate with creation. And yet false teachers in Colossae are coming and saying, hey... Here's how you merit God's favor. You don't eat that. You don't drink that. You don't go here. You observe this day. And Paul says, are you kidding me? God is the one who made it all. You can't get close to God. You can't merit his favor by abstaining from his creation. He's the creator. You are to taste and see that God is good. You are to taste and know that God is good. So Paul informs these do-gooders. He doesn't say, he doesn't applaud them and say, man, I just love your self-sacrifice, man. You are so disciplined. All that fasting, all that, all those rules, man. I mean, the way you keep those festivals and those holidays and even that Sabbath. Oh, man, Jesus just has got you on a podium. No. He chides them for um, their discipline in these areas. Why? Because their heart is not about Jesus. Their heart is about them getting Jesus to worship them. And Paul says, I'll have none of it. Let me just give you the theology of Jesus as creator, he says in verses 15 through 17. And he is the image of the invisible God. In other words, God became flesh. You want to know who God is like? He took on flesh and bone, blood and water. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Dear friends, do you want to know how to really understand God? Don't pursue the physical stuff of life and stop there. And it is tempting, but why is it tempting? I went snow skiing a couple of weeks ago. I get why people can make that their life. Some of you can't get that. I totally can get that. 
Because when you are in the mountains and you are in snow and you are looking at the beauty around you, it captivates you and it wants to absorb your heart and soul. But why? Because it's a speck of an image of the glory of the Creator whose name is Jesus. And you see that and that alone. Man, if, if skiing is not your thing, then what about food? Oh, man, is food not your thing? I feel sorry for you. I mean, we've done this so many times, but look, it is easy to become a foodie. I'm probably a foodie. I love all kinds of food. I even like to cook certain things. I read cookbooks. I was reading a cookbook the other night. I love it. But dear friends, there's something better. And if I'm not making the connection in my rib, when I pull those ribs off, and man, that bone is just like pulling off, man. And that, woo, come on, that brisket or that, that, that brisket line, that... When I'm not tasting and going, oh man, if this is good, (laughs) you think it surprises God that this brisket is good? He's saying, taste and know that I am good. You think that's good, you just wait. I mean, that's life. And that's how we should be as Christians. Christians should have the best relationship with creation. The rivers and the lakes, food and drinks, our bodies, mountains, dogs, deer, birds, clothes, this world, it all reveals Jesus. He's the point. Paintings and dance and music and instruments reveal Jesus. Running and biking and sports and stories. Everything was made by Him and for Him. But He is the end of it all. I don't know why God brought to mind. We've got Eric and some others in our church that flip, that, that do the Bill Street. They are the Bill Street flippers. They travel around and they flip. And I think Eric can like flip over a car. I think I saw that video. If not, maybe I'm giving you too much um, too much credit, but I, I'm looking at that. I'm going, I'm not marveling at the ability. I would just wish, man, I wish I could do a backflip off this stage. I would break my neck. <laughs> and yet I marvel. But what am I marveling at? I'm marveling at a God that would make a young man like that to have this ability. I mean, I get dizzy. You twirl me around once and I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that's why I can't ride those rides at the fair. But God has given the ability of some people to flip from one end of Bill Street down to the other. And I say, what a glorious God. And what, oh, if I could just feel that freedom just once, I'd be sick and throwing up by Silky Solomons or one of those, you know. I mean, isn't it amazing? Look at his world and marvel. Yes, At what God is doing in the moment, but ultimately at God. That's Paul's teaching. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. Don't give in to this legalistic, holier-than-thou, pietistic, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You see, the question that we've got to ask is... What kind of control? What is my relationship? Who am I without my work? Who am I without my music? Who am I without my art? Who am I without my sex? Who am I without my food? Who am I without my money? Who am I without my looks? Who am I without my abilities? Who am I without your praise? Who am I without my spouse? Who am I without my children? Who am I without 
a building to worship it. Who am I without? And then who am I without Jesus? You see, unfortunately, we would much rather have out of these. We're using Jesus to get these. And the worst thing Jesus can do is give us these. Because all we're looking to him for is to give us these so we don't need him. And he's saying, no, your soul was shaped after me. And I'm the only one that fits. And I love you too much to give you all these things. You see, that is the battle of creation. Augustine was the first one to really deal with this in his confessions. He talked about disordered loves. And he said, if Jesus is not number one, then everything just flows out of it just in chaos. If work is above family, then you know what? You will sacrifice your children on the altar of your God, which is really work. You see it? No matter what is, if race or culture or gender or sexual identity or whatever, if anything comes before Jesus, it's all out of whack. And Jesus is willing to say no. Jesus is willing to say, here's the truth about this subject. Why? Because he's an ogre? No. Because he says, your heart, I'm the only one that can give you what you're really looking for. When I become your identity, then you know freedom. When I become your identity, then you know real life. I mean, this is the beauty of it all. So what's the reason to abstain from certain things? Because we all have to. Folks, I can't eat whatever I want. Because <laughs> I want a whole lot more than what I eat. Pretty much always. I can't drink just what I want and how much of what I... There has to be control. There has to be absence. Why? So that nothing competes with Jesus. But that's my motivation. Not so he'll love me more. Oh, look, I'm giving this up. Now love me, love me, love me. No. I know you love me, therefore I'm willing to give that up. When was the last time you gave something up because you love Jesus? When was the time you did something because you loved Jesus? You see, that's the motivation. And then secondly, Jesus, as head of his body, the church, must be prominent. Not pseudo-communities for Christianity to work. It's interesting, right in the middle of, the, of creation and then salvation, Paul just throws in this line, and he is the head of the body of the church. Why does he throw that in? I'll tell you why. Because we're all looking for a community to, to be our identity. Have you been to uh, the Memphis 901 FC games yet? Anybody in here been to? Uh, all right, some people. I went last night, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Why? Because it's a brand new team. Um, it didn't exist before this year. They've had two games now. Last night was the second game. And so I went, and immediately as I'm walking up to Redbird Stadium, I'm looking at people that already have the scarves and already have the hats. And as we move into the stadium, there's a, a section of about three to 400 people called the Bluff City Mafia, and they're all dressed in their garb, and, and they're doing songs and chants, and they've got a drum section, and they've got all this colorful smoke going out, and they've got these flags that they're waving. And I'm like, wow, it's only the second game. 
Already their traditions. Already there's community. Already there's following. And when we finally scored a goal, man, the smoke was going off, the fire was coming up, the fireworks were going, the jumbotron, it was wonderful. And I was converted. <laughs> Do you see it? Man, we form, I mean, I used to just... You know, do y'all remember those Star Trek conventions? I mean, it, that could be a better illustration. I mean, if you can have us, if that doesn't prove man's innate desire to have community, I don't know what else. <laughs> really? You're all grown men dressing up like Spock or... I, are you kidding me? No, we're not kidding you. Why? Because we have to have community because we're created in a God who is community and we cannot live alone. And yet the true community, listen, the true community is the church of Jesus Christ. And what a pathetic model we've been. Do you see it? That's why we use all this language. We want our friends to become, or we want our guests to become our friends and our friends to become our family. Oh, are we just trying to be cool and cutting edge? No, we're saying, look, the church is the family of God in this world. We are the body of Christ and we've not been. We get it. We understand why the world hates the church. We hate the church most of the time. We don't want to be labeled church people. We don't want to be known as members. We get it because the church has been a get so much more than four. We get that. And yet we can't throw out the church. Why? Because Paul is stating the creator God, the one who made all things, the one whose world this is, is also king and head of his church. Because his church is plan A and there is no plan B. And that's a, it's a powerful statement for us to get excited about. But let me tell you what that means. What that means is, if this world is going to know the heart of Jesus, it's going to be through you and myself loving Jesus more than anything and showing the world how glorious it is. Do you know how Memphis 901 FCs making converts? Because it's obvious. It's so much fun. They're pulling us in, man. They love soccer so much. You're like, you could never even know anything about soccer. And you'll buy the hat. You'll buy it all. Why? Because they love it so much and they make it look so amazing. Do we love Jesus like that? Do we show the world that, hey, this is it. Jesus gets over me so that I can care about people not like me in this city. So I can take on the issues of justice and poverty and uh, um, the disparity in education. Why? Because it's a social issue? No, because Jesus noticed me as his object of justice. And he came after me and he loved me. And man, if he can be interested in me and love me, how can I not? You see, we start looking at the, the captain. We start looking at the king and what's close to his heart. That becomes close to our heart. And it's not just moral uprightness. It is moral uprightness. But it's not just, it's, it's moral uprightness for the good of mankind and the glory of God. You see, friends, there is a glory to live for, and this glory is in our midst. Colossians 1.27 
To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only one that can truly do real good in this world and make real, well, do real good in this world is the believer who doesn't make this world his God. You see, here's the problem. If you're just after peace and Therefore, the way you're going to get peace is by making tougher laws on guns, which I'm not getting political here. But if that's where you stand, then you, by necessity, when you see the shooting in New Zealand and 50 people getting killed in a mosque, by necessity, your heart, this is, the, this is what it produces. You hate the NRA when you see that article. You hate people that disagree with you. That's why I've stopped going to most justice conversations in Memphis. Because it's a lot of animosity and hate and self-righteousness. The Christian can come in, however, and say, my identity is Jesus and he loves me. And there is no reason for him to love me. And out of that, I can love. And out of that, I must love because he first loved me. And see, that is what's happening here. Paul praises or says, we thank God for your faith in Jesus because of the love that you have for all the saints. When you receive the love of Jesus, then you can love each other. Then our race, then our preferences, then our um, opinions play second to us being the bride of Christ. And that's how we become a compelling community to the world. And then thirdly and finally, Jesus must be your preeminent Savior for Christianity to work. Did you all hear about the uh, college entrance scam this week? Okay. Um, What's this dude's name? William Rick Singer. Took millions of dollars. He said he created a side door into USC, maybe UCLA, Yale, some other schools. He created a side door, and if you had enough money, you could just take your child right in there over other people. He even could bribe proctors to change ACT, SAT um, answers and get your child into. And there's an uproar, rightly so. But guess what? Jesus took your test. And it's the only way you got in. And we hate that. And that's why we're looking for something. Just give me something, Lord, that can make me feel like you love me because of me. I'm convinced that we will do anything to not accept the sufficiency of the work of Jesus for us. See, what I hate most about my sin is not my sin most of the time, but it's because I've got to need Jesus yet again. What I'm saying is, God, yes, I accept you. I'm a preacher. I preach the gospel. I've given my life to this. I accept you, but 
Man, surely by now I should not need you as much as I do. Can I just show this congregation how good I am without having to minister out of my weakness and tell them about my sins and my struggles? Can I just tell people about my successes and how incredible I am because of you? He says, no. Why? Because there's no life in that. To the extent to which I'm boasting in Richard, to the extent at which I am so mad that I've sinned again, that I'm not better than I am, surely by age 54, almost 55, I should be further along down the road. As I live in that, it gets me nowhere. Then I, but when I look at my sin and I say, but Jesus... He came and he lived under the law because he knew Richard Reeves wouldn't have it together by age 55. He knew Richard wouldn't be able to reach the requirements of the law. He knew Richard couldn't preach well enough or live well enough or love well enough or sacrifice enough or give enough or change his lifestyle enough or whatever. He knew it and that's why he came and he said, here's the law, I'm going to fulfill it for you, Richard, so that my father will love you not as a moody lover... Not as one who's kind of dancing around you, wondering, okay, where are you today? Ah, a couple steps back. Can't get close to that. No. But as a lover who says, you come and you come into my arms. And you let me hold you. Because I fulfilled my law for you so that I can hold you right here and tell you how much I love you. And tell you how beautiful you are because you are clothed in the righteousness of my son. And to the extent you say, but, but, but father, no, 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 you just don't understand. Oh yeah, I understand because I made my son sin. The one who knew no sin, I made sin. Why? So that I might become the righteousness of God. You're forgiven and you're loved. Dear friends, if that's not our gospel, if that's not our hope, if that's not what saves us, nothing else will. I've got to finish up. I've got to end it there. So much more to say. Jesus has made peace by the blood of his cross. Let me just read these verses. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth, or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What are you worshiping this morning? What are you loving more than Jesus? Here's the outcome. It's not going to love you to the extent you were created to be loved. God isn't punishing you right now. God isn't mad at you because you want to be loved. He created you to be loved. But he said the only way you're going to be loved is by turning and confessing that you're a sinner and you need my love, the love of Jesus himself. Would you come to Jesus this morning? Would you let go of your idolatry and would you come to him? Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are king and head of your church. We pray that you would create a community among us that we might love one another, we might forgive one another, we might hold each other up in light of how you hold us up and forgive and love us. Father, I pray that you would bring the one who is looking to whatever they're looking to 
oh, Father, I pray that they would, you would open their eyes to see the death of it, that they might see the life in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, would you bring us all to repentance and faith that we might be a church that is the body of Christ and that shows the world something different. Oh, God, help us to love you like sports fans love their sports team. Oh, God, help us to love you like wealthy people love their money. Oh, God, help us to love you like... Father, help us to love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.